from Luke 22, verses 24 through 34. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, the one who reclines at the table, or the one who serves? It is not the one who, or is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thanks be to God. All right, I think if we show up next week, we can beat those people at Hope Fellowship. More eggs for us. It's always a competition. Not really. Um, if any of you were here last week, you remember my, my Bible um, flew out, cover flew out. It was totally, if you weren't here last week, it was, it's been like this for a while, but it was just completely separate. And I was like, oh man, I got to do something about that. Somebody saw my need and somebody, it's like new. It is completely done. I thank you. And I, it also just really struck me, you know, God's making all things new. And I don't know where your brokenness is, where your cover has fallen off, where your family is not like you wish it was, or where your own life is not where it wish it was. We all probably know the world is not the way it wish, wishes we wish it were. He's making all things new. That's the promise of Scripture. We have to hold on to that. He is making everything new. He's going to make you new. And this morning, as we look at the Scripture uh, we talked about, it's, it's one of these things that's so counterintuitive that we can pass right over it, make it so trite. A word like servant leadership, if you're in the corporate world today, man, it is big. This is, this is way beyond servant leadership. This is death leadership. How many of your leaders have died for you? They serve you. I, I hope that they serve you. That's a whole lot better than dictatorial leadership for those of us who've been under that. But this is way beyond. Let's just look very quickly and briefly at this because I'm going to tell you right up front, if you try to do this, you'll fail. This is not resident within the human heart to be a death leader. And yet God makes all things new and he can change us. So let's, let's look. Let's, if you've got your Bible, would you open please, or a device, would you open to Luke chapter 22? You know, look at, first, starting at verse 24. But let's remember again, let's get our heads around the fact that Luke is writing this book, this gospel, some 30-ish years after Jesus had died. Now, 
if the people that were following Jesus were young adults at the time or middle age or whatever, where are they now in, a, in an era where a lifespan would have been 50 to 60 years? Someone living beyond that would have been considered a abnormal long life. What's happening? But of course they're dying, right? They're getting, they're older. And, you know, when, when initially when people talking about Jesus and what happened, and there are eyewitnesses around. If you say to someone, um, oh, well, Jesus flew like a bird from you know place to place. Say, no, no, I was with him. I saw, that, that didn't happen. But what was happening now in the 60s is that as people are dying off and the message is spreading far and wide, people are saying things about what Jesus said and who Jesus was. And our tendency as humans then and now is to make a Jesus that's very palatable to us. We always would like to serve a God that we understand and that says things that we like. And it's a bonus if the culture agrees with it too. And so there's always the tendency to make a tame God, a Jesus that fits our mold of what a God should be, And the farther you get away from eyewitnesses, the easier it is to create in your mind a Jesus that fits what we like. The problem is we read things like we're going to read this morning, and it just makes no intuitive sense to us. And so Luke, as we know from the very opening verses, goes and says, I I went to see eyewitnesses. I'm making a careful account of everything that was said and done, and that I witnessed not, he didn't witness Jesus personally, but he traveled with Paul and with others who were seeing miracles, and he's recording it faithfully to give us a record of what actually happened. And he's talking to people, what did Jesus say? What do you remember about this? And he's gathering all the data, all the information, and so he recounts here in the the final days of Jesus' life, he recounts a conversation. Next week, we'll actually take the Lord's Supper. We're going to look at the the Last Supper, which is the previous um, couple of stories. But today, I want to look at a conversation that he records right after that. He says, A dispute rose among them, that is the disciples, as to which of them was to be regarded, regarded as the greatest. Now, who knows how that conversation got started, right? You put us, I mean... Who knows? But people are people. And um, so when you think about, so like who are the greatest Christians you know, right? Who are the, the people that you think are just, man, they're fantastic. And maybe we can look because they're really gifted or for there are a lot of reasons why we may think of someone as a great Christian or a, a, you know the greatest follower of God. But they were wondering among themselves, you know, which of us? Like, where's the pecking order? Everybody's got a pecking order. And Jesus cuts them off at the knees and says, okay, look, the way the world measures greatness, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Those in authority over them are called benefactors. Basically, that that word and that concept was, we want you to be dependent on us. A benefactor is someone that you look to to get goods, to get resources. 
And so someone would move into a town that was very wealthy and they would want people to come to them and ask them to give them favors and build things and whatever because that made them dependent and it made them feel better about themselves. Not so with you, he says. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Now, I'm the youngest. Who who are the youngest here? Any youngest here? I know, we're all so deprived. <laughs> the youngest, usually, we're, we're getting the hand-me-downs, right? All right, youngest here. Now, we do get away with stuff. I realize we're all the cutest, and so we get away with things. But we 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 don't, you know, you, you tr- you're trying things on the oldest, get things, probably get the worst end of it, too. But as the youngest... You're somehow fighting. You're fighting for position and you're fighting to be seen. You're usually not the primogenitor, the ones who get the land and things to you. My, my, my old, he was the namesake. I, you know, the, the youngest is traditionally not the namesake. That's been used up by the time you get to the fourth in line. You know, you can't call it, you're not George Foreman. You can't call him like George the fourth, George the fifth, whatever. My, my brother, my oldest is Kenneth the third. And of course, so he got, you know, the, oh, because my Kenneth the first gave the Kenneth the third, you know, like, so, okay. So I'm just sort of, you know, my, I'm getting deprived. I'm having my little couch session here with you guys and sharing all this. What I want to say is that the, the, Jesus says, look, the greatest among you should be the least. How does that, what does that look like? How does that, how does that happen even? So let's look at what the human heart loves perks. I love perks, right? If you're offered a job, or if you're in school and you're offered some position of grandeur, whether you're, whatever, and you say, well, okay, what's the responsibility? You're offered the executive vice president or the CEO or whatever it is. But you want to know what your compensation is going to be, don't you? You're not going to take the job if you don't know what they're offering in return. And, of course, salary is a big part, but you also want to know the perks that are coming with it and what the, you know, what the package is, right? What the compensation package is. Because if you're going to move up the ladder, we all are climbing the ladder of success. What's, what's in it for us? That's, that's the human heart. So Jesus comes along and he says, okay, you know, I'd like to offer you or I'll offer one of you guys the position of greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus is offering that to you, by the way. Your perks, all right, you're going to get everything Jesus got. You're going to get everything Jesus got. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Just like Jesus, son of God. Nowhere to lay his head. Right? Hated. Crucified. Job? You want that? You want the job? Glory beyond all description, but not in this life. It's the job. It's the greatness. Why would anyone do that? Why would we want that? Because we understand that this life is not all there is. If you think this life is all there is, you will not want to be great in God's kingdom. You won't. 
But if you understand that this life is a breath, everybody breathe in. Hold it. Short life, you're dead. (laughs) Breathe out. That's your life. That's your 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 90 if you're blessed. That's it. Compared to what's coming. If you don't really believe there's anything good coming, and if you're still wrestling with, well, maybe there's nothing, no afterlife, whatever you want to do. If you're thinking about this, this scripture will make no sense to you. You'll do everything you can to get everything here and now. You will. And Jesus, who had the best view of life, having been with his Father in the throne of glory, coming down here and suffering, said, guys... You argue about who's going to get the corner office. You're arguing about whether you're going to get tenure, about if you're the most popular kid at school or the second most popular or the third or the fifth or the 27th. If you're the tallest kid in your class or the shortest. If you've got your, your stock portfolio is good or bad. He says, you, you don't understand. Greatness in the kingdom is being the youngest, the least, the servant. And he says, let me show you. And in another part, another full description of what happens here, Jesus, of course, takes a towel, wraps it around, begins to wash their feet, and says, I'm among you as one who serves. Go and do likewise. And here's, this is a really short message, guys. Because when we look at servant leadership in today's world, it's talking about leaders who are empathetic and involved, whether it's the principal of your school or a good leader in the hospitals or in your tech firms, that's somebody who's um, thinking about the needs of others, thinking about your employees, thinking about. And you know a bad leader is not doing that. They're thinking about themselves and how you, you know, how you can make them look better. And they're thinking about how to make, you know, they're thinking, how do I make you look better? But the point is, it's still transactional. The, the, Zig Ziglar, who's one of these guys from years ago who was a, a self-help kind of guru, he says, if you help people get what they want, they will help you get what you want. That's servant leadership in a nutshell, because I guarantee you no business is saying, I'm going to serve you, and man, if our profits go down to tubes, big deal, no worry. If you're happy, if you're fulfilled as an employee, great. School, if our... Uh, you know, if our scores, test scores nationally sink to the bottom, doesn't matter. As long as you guys are fulfilled, great. No, they're not saying that. They're serving because they think it's going to produce the transactional effect they want. Only Jesus Christ died for you. He came and He served you and He is washing your feet every day. He is washing your feet. He is serving you. He is ready to be the one who is beside you, and then, and then he died for you, not to make himself look better, but to present you before his Father as not hell-bound as we all were, but as a gift. So you say, what's my part in this? Because, you know, if you're getting your feet washed, you don't do much. Your feet smell, and you sit there. And that's exactly the point. If you don't think your feet smell, you won't get them washed. And some of y'all don't think your feet smell. You think you're fine. 
we all generally think we're fine. We come out of the womb thinking we're fine. Sit still and get your stinking feet washed. You have sin issues. We have sin issues that we need Jesus Christ to deal with. And then, don't leave the chair. I know it's embarrassing. I know it's hard to get your feet washed. If I asked any one of you to come up here and take your shoes off and wash your feet, you'd be mortified, most of you. There's one or two of you weird ones, but most of you would be mortified. Right? It'd be embarrassing. You'd be in front of everybody. Then they'd see your stinking feet and whatever. You'd want to run back to your seat. And that's what we do as human beings. We run back to our seat. And we get away from God because we can't stand the fact that He's serving us. Because we want to be human. Independent humans. And tell God the kind of God He should be. And He's not. He's the God He is. Serving you and loving you and dying for you. See what Peter does as we read this? Peter's not ready to get his feet washed yet. What does Peter do? He says, when Jesus turns to him and says, Simon, Simon, another name for Peter, behold, Satan's demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. To sift means to shake so that we separate what's good from what's bad. Let's see what you're really made of. That's what Satan did to Job. He sifted him to see what he was really made of, and God gave him permission to do that. And Satan's asking permission to do that to Peter. But Jesus is serving Peter. He's praying for him that his faith won't fail. Judas's faith has already failed. He's decided to betray Jesus. He doesn't think there's anything more than this life. What a shock he had. But Jesus sees through that and says, when you've turned again, he knows he's going to turn away. When you have turned again, you're going to strengthen your brothers. But what does Peter say? Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Is he? Nope. That day he'll deny he ever knew Jesus. So will I. (laughs) Some days I live like Jesus doesn't exist. But you know what? In the book of Acts, as Luke continues to record it, Peter's going to go to prison. Peter's going to face death twice, three times in prison, twice facing death, and he's going to be the man that Jesus calls him out to be then. And he's ready to have Jesus really wash his feet and be served. Jesus knows who you are. He knew who Peter was. He knows who you are. Don't lie to him. Don't lie to yourself. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Be honest with God and come to Him and tell Him who you really are. What you really need, what you really want. And then know that you can't, that you're not meeting God halfway. You're not meeting God 1% of the way. Sit still in your chair and take off your shoes and let Him wash your feet. He's coming all the way. All the way to you. Our sinful condition won't allow us to make our way to God. We'd head the wrong direction. He'd be here and I'd think he'd be over here. Submit yourself to God. We're going to end with this. Paul, in learning about this, Paul who wanted to kill all the Christians and, you know, was, was completely against and antagonistic having this radical experience. Look at what 
Paul is able to write. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Philippians. As first he understands the kind of servant Jesus became in Philippians chapter 2, he says that all that Jesus, although he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why would you and I choose to do that and follow him and be great in his kingdom? Because it's what you were made for. The world tells you you were made to be, you know, be you. Every Disney movie out there, just find your true self. I'm telling you right now, your true self is built to die. Because only when a seed goes into the ground and dies does resurrection life spring up. It's only when it happens. And that'll happen for real when your human body dies. It's going to go back into the ground and you're going to have a new body. I know it seems wacky sometimes, but it's the truth of Scripture. Right now we get to bury the parts of us that we can die to ourselves and serve. Because serving will cause death. That's why we serve, because it helps us die to ourselves. And then here's what Paul learns. We'll close with this. This is in Philippians chapter 3. It says this. Whatever I've gained, I now count as loss. For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order to gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Listen to this that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings and become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. This life is incredibly brief. It is a breath. There's so much more to come. That's why Jesus says to the disciples we read this morning, he says, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials and I'm going to assign to you a kingdom. Heaven is not going to be boring. Heaven is not going to be sitting around playing music and doing things you don't like. You are going to have the most fulfilling job. You're going to rule whatever God has set you. Whatever you were created to do, you will be doing in full. And the second thing is that Jesus has already shown us the way of how to live. And you can't follow him. You can't emulate him. You can, but you can sit and get your feet washed. And if you'll do that, you will be able to wash other people's feet. And if you do that, you will know Jesus Christ and it will transform you and your life will be meaningful and you will want to live and you will want to live fully now 
and you'll begin to live in eternity. Eternity starts the minute you begin to live in the power of the resurrection. Now. Death will be a transforming experience of our bodies. Thank God. (laughs) My body's already failing. I lied. One more scripture. Hebrews 12. I gotta start, I gotta finish with this. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Didn't lie on purpose though. Unintentional sin. All right. Therefore, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's lay aside every weight. Every sin which clings to us so closely, so run with endurance the race that's set before us and look to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Let's let it be so for us too. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I feel like a fool speaking things I I know nothing of, but I believe. Lord, I know nothing of it in the the practicalities of this life because I'm in it. I'm in the middle of it, so I don't see it clearly. But you who saw it clearly when you came to earth, lived as we live, and now are with us, serving us, washing our feet, and asking us to depend on you, and that our greatness will come as we follow you by your power filling us. Lord, we want to be great in your kingdom So help us, Lord, to serve, to die, to not claim for what is our own, to look to you for every need, and to look to you for every reward. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me, please, as we close in worship.